It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Thank you so much for joining us on this muggy, muggy Tuesday as uh, heat indexes work their way up along our region. We will continue to keep the heat up on good news and uh, all kinds of agriculture we got going on for you. Of course, that brings us right to Susan Littlefield. And uh, what kind of good news do you have for us? Well, I got told from the folks that are on the uh, Pro Farmer Tour that Nebraska has some of the best-looking corn really? that they've seen so far. Well, that's good news. You know, I've heard I've heard them talk about, you know, Nebraska can really grow soybeans, and that's usually good, but I'm glad to hear that about corn, too. Very much so. Well, what do you got for us today? Coming up at 1219, Nebraska Ethanol Board Administrator Roger Berry talks about the upcoming workshops that are going to take place in Kearney. We'll get more on that from Alex. Then at 1245, Bryce steps in as Director Wellman talks about Healthy Soils Task Force. And then at 117, we're going to hear more from Dustin Hoffman. I actually ran into him in Butler County on a county road as they were looking at some non-irrigated field. The corn, by the way, was nine inches long, a little bit of tip back, but he said absolutely beautiful corn. So we'll find out more about that. All right. I've heard that Dustin Hoffman's an excellent driver. Yes, very much so. (laughs) <laughs> all right thank you so much thank Susan. You. i appreciate it we turn, I, I missed your punchline there what did you what did you want to say i was saying that he hates kmart too that's true it's all it's, from rain man brother yeah, i got you i got you man thank you that that is the voice of brandon bennett he's in with us today and uh, uh you were talking about uh quarterback turnaround a little bit before we came in here that's something you'll talk about later on i didn't mean to scoop you there. that's good the big numbers we're going to talk about today are seven because there are seven quarterbacks in top five schools outside the SEC that have started a game for an SEC school. Justin Fields, having officially been named Ohio State starting quarterback, he previously from Georgia. Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. They're, named, they're ranked number four. He, of course, was previously at Alabama. Alabama. Kelly Bryant, who started a couple of games at Clemson, which is an SEC school, but now he is an ACC school, but now he is in an SEC school. And the quarterback turnaround mm-hmm. tumbler has has uh, continued and another big number university of nebraska carney loper volleyball team starting fall camp with 24 players on the roster so head coach rick squires will hear from him he'll be talking about how that's a big group and the team retreat that they're off to before heading to cheyenne to take on the wyoming cowgirls saturday night that you can hear on 93.1 the river all right very good interesting uh, interesting start for the season there for coach squires one of those games and not really no way to really lose in a situation like that for UNK. So they're going to come out of that probably in good shape. I would hope so. And one of the things that was key for him is he wanted a road contest before the conference portion of the schedule began. They had three tournaments scheduled, two at home, one on the road. The one on the road got canceled. He was able to pick this up through Connections at Wyoming. Absolutely. no uh, Good good situation for UNK. Thank you very much. We turn it over now to Bob Brogan, who's... Uh, here to give us all the good news that's going on in markets right stocks now. Are, stocks are moving broadly lower in midday. Trading banks and makers of consumer products are leading the way lower today. Bank of America, uh, Bank of America lost 1.5%. Meanwhile, shares in Home Depot were higher after the home improvement retailer reported earnings that topped Wall Street's forecast. And elsewhere... Uh, a Nebraska Panhandle County Board must de- must decide how to return more than $413,000 that it received in error for cable franchising fees. So that that may uh, um, hit some people in the pocketbook. 
Yeah, definitely could. All right. Thank you very much, Bob. Appreciate it. All that coming up on Midtown. KRVN is celebrating the Nebraska State Fair's sesquicentennial. Pay a friendly visit to our rural radio broadcast booth. We'll be in the southeast corner of the Pinnacle Bank Expo Center. There you can interact with our staff, find the latest market information, register for the Ram pickup, and a whole lot more. Also be sure to listen for feature coverage from every corner of the fairgrounds. It's KRVN at the 2019 Nebraska State Fair. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. A hot, humid day today. Dew point temperatures this morning are generally in the low to mid-70s and expect upper 60s to 70s across much of the area today. This will cause the heat index values to be near 100 to 105, especially in more central Kansas and along the Highway 81 corridor in eastern Nebraska. Now, Surface high pressure is going to slide off to the east, and a southerly flow is going to return on Thursday. Precipitation chances will persist Thursday into the weekend for portions of the of the area, at least off and on. Temperatures will be below normal, 70s for the end of the week, and uh, moderating closer to normal on the 80s for the weekend. The next front currently looks to move through the area Sunday night, which could bring another chance for thunderstorms. Now, there is a slight risk of severe thunderstorms over much of our area this evening and tonight. Widely scattered thunderstorms are expected to develop to the west by evening and then move southeastward tonight. The impacts from severe weather thunderstorms will be large hail up to two inches in diameter and severe wind gusts. Now, the thing about these thunderstorms is there's some uncertainty in the timing and location for anything this afternoon. Went ahead and added some slight pops across the northeastern sections of the forecast area with repeated runs of, of uh, some chances in the northern uh, north of I-80 in central Nebraska and into southeast Nebraska. So we'll see if there, but there's still some uncertainty into the convection overnight. Uh, but it's fairly high confidence that there will be thunderstorms tonight after midnight across Nebraska and into northern Kansas. The main question really becomes placement of that. But uh, some areas, of course, uh, pretty susceptible, especially in the Oregon York area, to additional flooding with the uncertainty of the placement, though. No flood watches have been issued at this time so we'll keep an eye on all of that as we go let's take a look at our agricultural forecast the dtn weather ag weather forecast calls for improvement in midwest crop moisture conditions as a result of shower and thunderstorm activity during the next three days moderate to heavy rain has already formed tuesday in iowa in illinois the rain is useful for late developing crops with corn in the filling phase and soybeans still setting pods along with pod filling phase. Temperatures turn much cooler at the end of this week, keeping crop development delayed. The northern plains will have cooler temperatures during the next week to 10 days. Crop conditions are generally favorable with the adequate moisture. However, Progress is much delayed, and the behind-schedule spring wheat harvest may slow further this week due to the periods of showers. Canadian prairies crops areas will see variable temperatures this week with cool and warm mornings. 
No, no significant cold weather is expected. However, normal low temperatures are in the mid 40s. Thus, it could not could take uh, wouldn't take much coolness to force temperatures in frost level categories. Across Europe, a recent rain and cooler temperatures ease stress to soybeans and sunflowers. Southeast Europe saw hot temperatures last week before cooling late in the week. This area might see somewhat hotter temperatures again this week. Hotter conditions may be stressful to late-filling crops. In the Black Sea region, Russia and Ukraine continue with a cooler temperature pattern this week. This trend is more favorable for crops. We move down south in eastern Australia. Wheat wheat approaching reproduction in northern New South Wales and southern Queensland is in need of significant rain to prevent further declines in an already poor wheat crop. The chance for this rain to occur remains low during the next 10 days. In addition, there is at least some risk for unusual late winter cold weather in this area next week. This will need to be watched as flowering wheat could be hurt if temperatures fall to 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So. We don't like talking about that uh, frost thing, even if it's in Australia. But as as delayed as our crops were planting, it would uh, not be good around here either. That's a look at our forecast for the next few days and uh, into the future just a little bit. For weather at any time, remember, you can go to krvn.com. An opportunity for retailers to fuel up on E15 knowledge. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki, joined on the phone today by Nebraska Ethanol Board Administrator Roger Berry. Roger, thanks so much for joining us. Tell us more about this workshop that you all are planning for August 28th in Kearney. Well, thank you, Alex, for giving us the opportunity to tell everybody about this important workshop that we have coming up. When uh, President Trump ordered EPA to approve year-round sales of E15, we thought, you know, we need to have some formal direction for our retailers in the state so that they know that uh, what they often hear about the fact that it takes hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to dispense E15, that that's simply not true. So that's why we set up this date of August 28th in Kearney to do this uh, uh, retail fuelers workshop and to let them know that uh, in most situations it takes very little in order for them to be able to start dispensing E15 at their retail location. What sort of things can fuel retailers expect at this workshop? We're going to cover the the whole range of who they need to be talking to before they uh, start the process of putting E15 in. We're going to start with Ron Lamberty. Ron is a senior vice president with the American Coalition for Ethanol. The neat thing about Ron is he's a station owner, so he knows how to talk retailers' language. He knows exactly what they're going through, but he also knows what it takes in order to add that ethanol in and can be a very good source on guiding them through. After that, then, we're bringing a couple of deputies from the Nebraska State Fire Marshal's office in to visit with them about the requirements from the Nebraska Fire Marshal's point of view. After that, we're bringing in representatives from Nebraska Weights and Measures and uh, as far as labeling requirements and that type of thing. Also going to cover... Uh, different areas where they can get uh, financial resources and we're just going to cover the whole area of what it takes for them to have the information they need as they consider moving forward with uh, dispensing E15 at their stations. And this is something that yes could benefit the retailers but it's also going to benefit everybody in Nebraska, everybody traveling through Nebraska who wants to fuel up with E15. 
It certainly is, and here's the reason why. E15 is generally about uh, three to seven cents cheaper than what uh, E10 is. So you're actually getting a, a fuel that has a higher octane, is better for your engine, for less cost. If you're a uh, consumer in a community that has a retailer that doesn't offer E15, I would highly suggest that you go into your retailer and let them know that you would like to have E15 because you want to start saving money on, on your fuel cost too. Let them know about this workshop we have coming up the 28th. About two weeks ago, I want to say it was, um, EPA announced that they granted some more small refinery waivers for 2018. How has the Nebraska Ethanol Board responded to this? Well, first off, we've responded with our disappointment in the EPA, and now it appears in President Trump. What that amounts to is basically demand destruction of 1.4 billion gallons of ethanol. That's a lot of corn that's, that's being taken away from, from our farmers to be able to take to the ethanol plants. So we are extremely disappointed with this, and um, we're, we're looking at what the next moves are, but uh, we're working with other, other organizations on what do we do next here in order to get small refinery waivers stopped. Great information. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Alex. Appreciate it. That was Roger Berry joining us. He's the Nebraska Ethanol Board Administrator. Now, again, that workshop is free to attend next Wednesday, August 28th, but fuel retailers will need to register by this Friday, August 23rd, and they can do so at ethanol.nebraska.gov. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you are listening to the Rural Radio Network. When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVM. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listing area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south looking at Interstate 80 and literally right off as you head north into Kearney. This is why they have the interstate shut down. Water's over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that, obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880-KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Time for us to take a look at sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, practice got underway yesterday for the UNK volleyball program. The Lopers began fall camp with 24 players on the roster, and head coach Rick Squires says it's a large group. Yeah, it's a big roster. Um, it, it's a year where you know we recruited hard to start with, and then sometimes uh, you know that opens the door to some walk-on options, and so we have probably a few more walk-ons than we normally would. And we want that to be a strength of ours. UNK will head to Colorado for a team retreat the next couple of days before heading to Cheyenne to take on Wyoming on Saturday night in an exhibition match. We'll bring you that game over on our sister station, 93.1 The River and KRVN.com. Justin Fields officially has been named Ohio State starting quarterback. This was pretty much a foregone conclusion after he transferred to Ohio State from Georgia last January. 
Of course, he looks to succeed quarterback Dwayne Haskins Jr., who left a year early for the NFL. And fourth-ranked Oklahoma has named Jalen Hurts its starting quarterback for its September 1st season opener against Houston. All he did was play in three national championship games for Alabama and help the Crimson Tide win the 2017 national title. He transferred to Oklahoma in January when it looked like he would be bumped out of his top spot with the Crimson Tide. K-State junior quarterback Skylar Thompson is one of 49 players in the country to be a candidate for the 2019 Johnny United's Golden Arm Award. He's just the second player in school history to reach 2,000 career passing yards by the conclusion of his sophomore season. Well, Nicky Lopez and Nick Dini homered on successive pitches in the seventh inning as that helped the Royals stretch Baltimore's latest losing streak to eight games as Kansas City was able to hold on for a 5-4 win. For Kansas City, it's just their sixth win in their last 22 games. Baltimore, they've lost 13 out of the last 14. The two teams will play again today. And Red Sox lefty Chris Sale is receiving treatment for inflammation in his elbow that will shut him down for the rest of the regular season. It's just another blow to the defending World Series champions whose postseason hopes appear to be all but dashed. Looking beyond this frustrating season, the treatment could be good news for the club, which feared Sale might need Tommy John surgery. Boston didn't play yesterday. They're six and a half games out of a wild card spot. Sale signed a six-year, $160 million deal in the spring that includes $50 million in deferred money. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. KRVN is celebrating the Nebraska State Fair's sesquicentennial. Pay a friendly visit to our rural radio broadcast booth. We'll be in the southeast corner of the Pinnacle Bank Expo Center. There you can interact with our staff, find the latest market information, register for the Ram pickup, and a whole lot more. Also be sure to listen for feature coverage from every corner of the fairgrounds. It's KRVN at the 2019 Nebraska State Fair. The University of Nebraska celebrated history this past Friday with the installation of Susan Fritz as interim president. Dr. Fritz, a Nebraska native with deep agricultural roots, is a 30-year veteran of the university who most recently served as executive vice president and provost, becomes the first woman to lead the NU system since its creation 51 years ago. Dr. Fritz talks about her top priorities as interim president. First, it's about listening and learning. And the most important thing I think I can do right now is spend time on our campuses, spend time with our students and faculty, visit with as many stakeholders as possible, and to listen to what they have to say. But it's certainly fair to say that it's a priority of mine to do whatever I can to keep this university moving forward. I've also told the Board of Regents I will help in any way I can with the search for the next president. So one of the most important things I can do is support the work being done by our faculty and campuses so that the next president inherits a university that is even stronger in the future than it is today. Fritz earned her bachelor's degree in business administration, master's in adult education and agricultural education, and a doctorate in community and human resources, all from UNL. She joined the university in 1989 and has held numerous roles since then, including as a faculty member, department head, associate dean, associate vice chancellor, and interim dean and director of UNL's Agricultural Research Division. A banker who leads a nonprofit wants to transform an old college campus in eastern Nebraska into a place where former foster care youth would live and learn various trades. Ed Shada came up with the idea while working on an annual event devoted to getting homeless people connected to the services they need. 
He's working with the man who owns the former Dana College campus in Blair, which would be the site for the $20 million project. Shada is president of the nonprofit Angels Share, which is working to rehab the campus buildings. The group will work with other organizations, including Boys Town, to connect the young adults who would live on the campus with any other services that they need. Kansas is reporting that it added private sector jobs in July and saw its unemployment rate dip slightly to 3.3%. The Kansas Department of Labor says a seasonally adjusted unemployment rate last month declined from 3.4% in June and was the same as the 3.3% recorded in July 2018. Authorities have found a marijuana farm worth more than $1.7 million while chasing a suspect. The discovery was made Sunday when deputies with the Butler County Sheriff's Office in Kansas responded to a residential burglary near El Dorado. Law enforcement has seized more than 1,700 cultivated marijuana plants. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. LB243, which passed through the Nebraska legislature this past session, created the Healthy Soils Task Force. Last Wednesday, the group held their first meeting. Nebraska Director of Agriculture Steve Wellman joins us now to share more on the meeting. Director Wellman, tell us about your first meeting as well as the general purpose of the task force. The task force is housed at the Nebraska Department of Agriculture for administrative and vegetarian purposes. And the voting members are made up of myself as a director of agriculture, two representatives of the natural resources districts, two academic experts, six production agriculture representatives, two from agribusiness, and two representatives from environmental organizations. And then non-voting members are from the Natural Resources Committee and the Agriculture Committee. At our, our meeting, we, we went through what our responsibilities are uh, given to us by LB243. And basically, it comes down to developing a comprehensive healthy soils initiative. Uh, how we get to that was a lot of the discussion from our first meeting uh, we're looking at developing an action plan that would that would examine issues related to providing farmers and ranchers with research, uh, education, technical assistance, uh, uh, and demonstration pro- uh, projects. Also looking at options for financial incentives from uh, either the state government or what's already in place from the from the federal government. And then what's the contribution of livestock to soil health? And I think that's one of the things that the group um, really did agree on is what the role livestock plays in in maintaining soil health in Nebraska. When we think about our state, 91% of our area is used for agriculture, and that's 45 million acres, and about 23 million acres of that is grassland. So uh, sometimes when production ag talks about healthy soil, we think about cropping situations only, uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, and those types of things, but I think grassland soil health plays a big part here too uh, real quick on the timeline this uh this task force sunsets on january 1st 2021 and prior to that we need to submit an action plan and report to the governor and the agriculture committee what's the expectation then when this does sunset and, and that plan is moved forward is that something that the department of agriculture will then execute on as a as a body or is that kind of still up to up to decide 
I believe that's still up to be decided upon once it'll be up to the action of the unicameral or the governor's office and, and if, uh, if there's a role for the Department of Agriculture to play at that, at that point, uh, that will all be determined probably after 2021, uh, January 1st of 2021. You mentioned the first meeting was held on Wednesday, August 14th, and you ran through some of the folks that will be represented on this. Are those people now selected, and is the task force full? The majority of the uh, task force has been selected. We are, we are missing one representative from environmental organizations, and this is a... a the task force members can apply through the governor's website, and then they are selected and appointed by, by the governor. So we are still missing one representative from the environmental organizations. According to the legislation, there will be 243. At that first meeting, members were to elect a chairperson. Do we know who the chairperson is, Director Wellman? Yes, Keith Burns from Green Cover Club was elected chair, chairman. Very good. Can you talk, I guess, a little bit about how this task force will work in cooperation, or if it will, with um, other groups such as the Soil Health Partnership and things that the industry is already doing, or do you see those two playing a role together? Yeah, I certainly do. I mean, there's been a lot of work already uh, for research and and discussions on healthy soils. And, for example, we had uh, two presentations to to give us some background on what's, what's already available uh, so Aaron Hurd from the Natural Resources Conservation Service spoke to us. He's the state soil health specialist for NRCS. He spoke to us about federal programs and just general participation of those programs and and how they've attracted producers or maybe how they haven't attracted producers, maybe what's missing there to get more producer producer participation. And then also Hannah Berger with the Nature Conservancy, Conservancy gave us a review of the, the Soil Health Roundtable, which is a an organization, uh, a group of organizations, uh, corn growers, uh, Nature Conservancy, other producer organizations that, that have an interest in, in soil health, and they've been uh, active in the past on talking about some of the same things. And I think, it, I, I believe that this task force will work pretty closely with with organizations like the Soil Health Roundtable and our federal agencies that already have programs in place. Uh, For example, the 2018 Farm Bill contained the the CSP program, Conservation Security Program, and and EQIP, uh, Environmental Quality Improvement, those types of programs, how they fit in, what they're already doing to help avoid overlaps from something that might be, be developed here, but also find what works well, what doesn't work well, and, and how do we move forward. That was Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director Steve Wellman joining us to share more about the Healthy Soils Task Force. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Newsroom, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Well, good afternoon. Time for us to take a look at the stock market financials and what's going on there. Uh, as we look around the world, it's after a all-green day yesterday, we've gone pretty much red. Uh, the exception, the Japanese Nikkei, is, it was up last night, 114 points. But the Hang Seng in Hong Kong down 34. The FTSE in London was down 64 in the DAX index there in Germany. 
was down 64. In the United States, not a lot better. A lot of red, not just, I guess the good news, if there is any, is that it's not deep red at this point. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 79 points. The NASDAQ is down 24, and the S&P is down 11. And here's Bob Rogan. Stocks are broadly lower on Wall Street after, oh, well, a few days, three days of uh, gains. Banks and makers of consumer products leading the way lower. Bank of America lost 1.5%, and Kimberly Clark 1.4%. Shares in Home Depot are higher after the home improvement retailer reported earnings that topped Wall Street's forecasts, but two other big retailers didn't fare as well. Investors sent Kohl's and TJX lower after their latest quarterly report cards fell short of analysts' expectations. The founder of Chinese tech giant Huawei says he expects no relief from U.S. export curbs due to the political climate in Washington. But he's expressing confidence the company will thrive because it's developing its own technology. Ren Zhengfei also said he doesn't want relief from the U.S. sanctions if it requires China to make concessions in the current tariff war, even if that means his daughter, who is under house arrest in Canada on U.S. criminal charges, faces a longer legal struggle. Something a little bit disturbing, well, actually a lot disturbing, a ransomware attack has hit more than 20 Texas local governments. And this is uh, one of those things that, uh, that we're concerned about. Um, what if they target other parts of the, countries, of the country as well? The Texas Department of Information Resources said in a statement it believes a single source is behind all 23 of the attacks. It didn't name the affected agencies or provide details about the attackers' demands. Those are some of the stories, and, uh, of course, there's uh, business goes on 24-7, 365. We'll try to stay on top of it. All right. Thank you so much, Bob. As you mentioned, coal's down almost 5% right now, uh, along with Dow and ConAgra. The gainers at this point are Home Depot, as you mentioned, up nearly 5%, and Lowe's companies up about 4 In the commodities, oil is up just a little bit, up over $56 a barrel corn, down uh, about 1%. That is a look at our business. Celebrate 150 years of the Nebraska State Fair by stopping by the Rural Radio Broadcast booth inside Pinnacle Bank Expo Center. And don't forget to register at the booth. KRVN welcomes you to the 2019 Nebraska State Fair. It's day two of the Pro Farmer Midwest Crop Tour. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Fellow farm broadcaster Dustin Hoffman of the Iowa Agribusiness Network is on the tour, and I met up with him just outside of David City as they looked at a very impressive non-irrigated field. You know, right now, after coming out of South Dakota yesterday, Nebraska's been a night and day difference. Um, we saw good numbers in, in central parts of Nebraska, north central Nebraska, where we came down yesterday. But even coming out here today, the, the corn looks really good. A little disease pressure, uh, seeing a little bit of rust, uh, a few spots there. Um, but other than that, the stands are really strong here. Uh, this is our first field we went in today, right outside David City. But uh, again, stands are really good and strong, really good, thick 
uh, plant population. Um, a little bit of, of what we would call the smut on the corn ears there in, in some spots, but that's to be expected anywhere. But uh, as of right now, I mean, this field we just came out of, we got a 195 average, you know, out of the calculation. So, I mean, that's a, a pretty good start considering that we were looking at a lot of 120s yesterday in South Dakota. Did you make any stops in Nebraska yesterday as you came down? Yep, we came in and uh, north of Albion there in that range, and we came down that way and then over into uh, Grand Island last night. And we up in north central, we got some 209s, 207s, but the further we got into central Nebraska and the further south and west we went, the, the smaller it went. We came off with an average of 198.2 on our car yesterday, so still not bad at all. Well, obviously, as you guys went from the north to the south into Grand Island and Hall County, you definitely got to see some of the, the flooding concerns that have happened throughout this growing season. Yeah, definitely did see a lot of that. And, you know, coming from Iowa, we've seen a lot of the flooding, too. But it's been, it was still, I mean, the the, the flooding area, some of you guys got some wind damage a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, it's still, it seems to be holding up. And a lot. I talked to some farmers last night, and they said they couldn't believe with 65-mile-an-hour winds in Grand Island a couple of days ago that their crops were still standing. But uh, they're they're holding up. They're recovering really well, and the beans look really good too. We saw several fields where there were still blooms on, so it means there's still a chance for more production there. And we had uh, a number of around I want to say 1,100 and something pod count yesterday. I want to talk from the corn perspective. How do you guys figure out these numbers? So what we do is we go in and we go past the end rows, and then what we do is we go 35 paces down. We have a 30 foot section of rope. Stretch out the 30-foot section of rope, and you count two rows. So basically what you have is a 60-foot sample, but you have two 30s. You do is you take the average of that, and then you take, while you're in there, you pick the 5th, 8th, and 11th ear. Always. doesn't matter how good it is or how bad it is. You pick the 5th, 8th, and 11th. It's an arbitrary number that way. And then what we do is we take the average of the stands. We measure the length of the ears, take the average of those three ears, take the average row counts of kernels on those three ears and when you plug it in into the machine with the 30 inch rows and whatever the row spacing is most time 30 and that's where we end up coming up with our bushels per acre i don't have the math formula in front of me right now but it's a little bit of figuring there and that's how we come up with the average well with some really beautiful ears i saw before you guys um got rid of the ears and, and threw them out to the cattle and the pasture next to us looking at the ears the quality pretty full yeah really full a uh, little bit of tipping on the on a couple of them but not bad uh, not like we saw yesterday even in parts of Nebraska where we saw, you know, two-inch tip back on some spots. But, you know, when you have a nine-inch ear, two inches of tip back isn't terrible. But, uh, you know, it looked good, and this is where I've seen today the first denting. Now, some people saw up in northeastern Nebraska, they saw some some dent stage there already uh, starting, and we were just starting to see that here for the first time today. And, of course, you had continue through Nebraska. Where's the stop tonight? Nebraska City. So we'll be doing that, and then we hit into Iowa tomorrow. Comments coming from fellow farm broadcaster Dustin Hoffman of the Iowa Agribusiness Network. He is on one of the legs of the Pro Farmer Midwest Crop Tour, spending some time earlier today in Butler County. I'm Susan Littlefield, McGraw Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, after two days, we're nearly 12 cents lower in the corn. Uh, is it being pressured by the wheat to stay lower? I think that's part of it. I, I think if you recall what I said yesterday, that we're, gonna, we're a couple of days away from a big surge in wheat. I think that we haven't had one in a while where... You see that Chicago wheat price really liquidate, and today was, I think, the, the, the tip of what, what's bringing it down. Uh, we're seeing selling across the board, and a lot of it's just based off of selling on the farm. You know, this is the time of the year, end of the marketing year is upon us, uh, very similar to what we've seen the last couple of years. So this shouldn't shock anybody that the prices are getting weak here the last month of August. They do it all the time. 
Uh, I do think we'll rebound once we turn the calendar. Uh, a lot of DP contracts being offered now uh, on top of what's going to be delivered in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's, basis has been somewhat strong this way. We've seen September come in on December as the market breaks, and that's encouraging. But I think just given the amount of bushels that need to clear here, we're probably looking at uh, another couple of days of this. Uh, the fact that beans can't rally on negative crop conditions ratings, um, a USDA report a week ago that was pretty friendly, um, you know, the kicking of the can on tariffs and, and beans just can't get off the mat here, and that's, uh, that's a bad sign in my opinion. Now, it did look like maybe we saw a little bit of strength in the meal. Can we see some strength in the soybean complex to try and reverse to help those beans out, kind of like we saw about a year ago? Yeah, the meals, that would be the first thing we want to see to get the beans going. And we saw the bull spreads come in today, and, and beans didn't have the day that corn did. I, I certainly kind of go home with my head in my hands to see us at 380, you know, five hours ago and closing on a, you know, essentially a year low. Basically, the last time we saw these flat price levels was the day of the, um, of the Trump kind of when we backed out of everything over in China and walked away with them in a meeting in May. So, uh, you know, we flushed all those those longs out of the market now, and the market still finds itself in a pretty precarious position. We're not net short, which, you know, has me a little bit fearful that the funds are going to come in and short this thing, given what we're seeing in wheat now. So, again, if you're looking to buy, I think I'd wait a couple of days, maybe wait towards the back end of next week, see what happens here with the weather. We are seeing cooler temperatures come across the forecast here over the next two to three weeks. Don't know if that's early enough to get a frost quite yet, but that'll be what the market is looking for, you know, a cooler than expected forecast to get the market jumping on the upside. But in the meantime, uh, again, wheat is going to hold this thing down, especially KC trading essentially contract lows. Uh, Front-month contract on Minneapolis is at a other than May, down here at a 10-year low. So there just isn't a whole lot of demand for feed wheat. Uh, really not a demand for commodities in general. I mean, that's what's holding everything back. Again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. And you can find out more about them at DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, DanielsAgMarketing.com. Joining us on the Rural Radio Network. That'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcast at krvn.com.